<laughs> you want me to get started, don't you, brother? <clears throat> That's right. It's too late for that. Amen. Boy, it's good to see y'all today. I pray you're blessed already. Well, I pray that your blessings are just beginning. But I read where someone once said that life is like a dollar bill. Anybody ever heard that? Life is like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. A lot of truth in that, isn't there? You see, when you spend money, there are really only two ways that you can spend it. You can blow it. Amen. Anybody here ever blown any money? Uh-huh. You can blow it. You can waste it. Or you can invest it for the future. And I believe the same thing is true with life. Now, whether you're young or old, whether you're 6 or 60, whether you're healthy or wealthy, whether you're puny or poor, you can make the rest of your life the best of your life. Amen. You can reach your potential, as we learned in Sunday school this morning. So let me ask you this question. Do you desire your best life now? Do you want your best life now? If you could ask the Lord Jesus Christ, how do I make the rest of my life the best of my life, what do you think Jesus would say? I don't think that we have to wonder. I don't think that we have to think about it very much because I know what he would say. In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. The Lord Jesus speaks and says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry. It's easy to say, isn't it? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is it not more than food and the body more than clothing? Let me reread that. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even, in so that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that your message in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, falls on receptive hearts this morning. And we learn today how to make the rest of our life the best of our life. How to have our best life now. 
Lord, would you teach us in Jesus' name? And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The secret to having your best life now is found in six words. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I know that may sound a little overly simple to some of you, but I want to tell you that beginning today, if you would conscientiously, continuously, constantly, and consistently put Jesus first, it would absolutely transform your life. So to begin experiencing your best life now, Jesus says you've got to begin by setting proper priorities. Set proper priorities. Everything rises and falls right here. If your priorities are not in order, your life will not be in order. If your priorities aren't right, can I tell you, brothers and sisters, you won't be right. Your priorities must be right. And you don't have to pray about what your first priority in life ought to be. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to discuss it. You don't have to look for it. You just got to do it. You just got to do it because Jesus has already told us what our number one priority ought to be. Seek first the kingdom of God. That word, seek, is one of my favorite theological words. I love simple because this is a simple mind. Amen? Amen. (laughs) I got your number, pal. That word, seek means to actively pursue. That word seek means to actively pursue and keep on pursuing. That means that every day of your life, you ought to be seeking first the kingdom of God. Every day of your life. Now, in order to seek the kingdom, you must first seek the king. Amen? you got to seek the king. After all, you can't have a kingdom without a king. Isn't that right? So... To experience your best life now, you must begin by seeking the king of the kingdom. Did you know that the Christian life is more than just accepting the Lord? It's more than just accepting the Lord. It also involves seeking the Lord. The Lord is not just someone that you passively accept. The Lord is someone that you actively seek. You seek after him. You seek to become more intimate with him. You seek to know more about him and seek to be more closer to him. You know something? I can tell you, I can tell you all something about your relationship with God, and I don't even know you all that well. I can tell you exactly how much of God each and every one of you have. Did you know that? I can tell you all exactly how much of God you have. Because you have all of God that you want. Amen? You have all of God that you want. You see, God doesn't have favorites. But he does have intimates. He doesn't have favorites, but he does have intimates. He has those who truly seek his presence. He has those who seek his grace and his guidance and his word and his service. And those people that do that find themselves to be intimate with God. James 4.8 says it clearly. James said, draw near to God and he will. Say will. 
He will draw near to you. If you seek him, he will draw near to you. And he's also promised in his word that you will seek me and find me when, say when, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. But you know, it's not just enough just to seek the Lord. You've got to learn to seek him first. That's right. Learn to seek him first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, as you look in the scriptures here, I want to direct your attention to three words in this passage that you need to be alert to. Look in verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? That first word is faith. Now look in verse 32. After all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. That's your second word, Father. Now look at the third word in verse 33. But seek, but seek, but seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will come to you. Faith in the Father first. Did y'all get that? Faith in the Father first. Those three words will take you a long way to have, letting you have your best life now. Faith in the Father first. Let me tell you something. Jesus does not want just a place in your life. Jesus does not want to just be prominent in your life. Jesus wants you wants to be preeminent in your life. That means he wants to be the most important presence in everything you do. He wants to be first. He wants to be number 1. He wants to be the in the first moments of each of your days. He wants to be the first day of your week. He wants to be the first part of your paycheck. He wants to be first. He wants to be number 1 in your life. He's not interested in being the first runner-up in your beauty contest. He's not interested in being vice president in your corporation. He's not interested in being the co-pilot of your aircraft. He's not interested in being second command in your army. He wants to be king of your kingdom. He wants to be king. Can I get an amen? He wants to be first. But not only are we to seek the king, we also ought to seek his kingdom. The kingdom of God ought to be the Christian's obsession in life. Now, when you truly seek a king and you truly seek his kingdom, you're going to automatically be seeking two things. First of all, you're going to be seeking the glory of the king. You'll be seeking the glory of the king. Every part and parcel of your life, every minute and moment of your time, every ounce and pound of your strength, every muscle and fiber of your being ought to be given for the glory of God. All of you ought to be given for the glory of God. The word says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Every part of you ought to be giving glory to God. That's the first thing you ought to seek, is the glory of the king. But second, not only the glory of the king, but we also need to be seeking the guidance of the king. Now, if you're a loyal subject in the king's kingdom, you're going to want to do everything that the king would want you to do. Everything. 
There is no higher calling in your life than to find out what your king wants you to do and then do it. No higher calling, no more sources of fulfillment than finding out what King Jesus wants you to do and then get about doing it. You will not reach your best life now until you find out what the king wants you to do and then do it. That's how you get your best life now. We ought to begin every morning with Jesus asking the same question that Paul asked him on that Damascus road. Lord, what would you have me to do? What a huge question. Lord, what would you have me to do this day? I read of a faithful woman who was deathly sick. The neighbor, a neighbor came to visit and asked her whether she wanted to live or whether she wanted to die. And the woman said, I just want whatever pleases God. And the neighbor said, well, what if God were to refer the matter to you and and asked you, which would you choose, life or death? What would you say? And she said, if God were to refer the matter to me, then I would just refer the matter back to him. I think that this woman had her priorities in the right order. She was always second to what God wanted. And friends, you can believe this or you cannot believe it, but it's better to die in the will of God than it is to live outside of the will of God. You need to know that. So whatever God wants you to do, you need to find out what that is, and you need to do it. You need to seek the guidance of the king. To experience your best life now, friend, you've got to first set proper priorities. You'll get nowhere until you set proper priorities. But you must also seek personal purity. Not only are we to seek his kingdom, not only are we to seek the king, but the Bible says that we're also to seek his righteousness not only are we to be seeking God's control over us we're also to be seeking God's character within us everybody get that not only do we want God controlling us but we want his character within us the bottom line is this as we seek the kingdom of God people ought to be able to see the kingdom in us they ought to be able to see the king in us. That's the mark of a real Christian. He makes it easier for other people to know God. But what does it mean? What does it mean for the believer to seek the righteousness of God? I believe it means three things. It means, first of all, that we must seek, that we must yearn for the righteousness of God. You know, in all reality, you and I do exactly what we want to do. Is that true or false? Excuse me? You and I do what we really want to do. We do what we really want to do, and in all reality, we are who we really want to be. God's given us that power of free will and choice. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We should desire to be right. We should desire to do right and to live right. Just as much as a hungry man desires food and just as much as a thirsty man desires some water. Doing right and living right and being right. We must yearn 
for the righteousness of God. But two, we must also receive the righteousness of God. Can I tell you that God is not interested in your righteousness? He's not interested in your righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's worthless. It has no use. Our own righteousness. And friends, the greatest day of your life will be when you learn the difference between self-righteousness and the Savior's righteousness. That's what He desires for us. Not our own brand of righteousness. He desires the Savior's righteousness to be in us. And after he was saved, the Apostle Paul made this one of his primary goals in his life. He said in Philippians 3.9 that he wanted to be found in him. Found in Jesus. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. The Bible tells us that we got to yearn for the righteousness of God. That we ought to you receive the righteousness of God. Because simply put, friend, before you can live it, your God's got to give it. Because your righteousness is as filthy rags. And that's exactly why Jesus came. That's exactly why Jesus died on Calvary's cross, that you and I might have the righteousness of God. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yearn for it. Receive it. But we must also imitate it. You see, God is not interested in what you can do for him. Do you know that? He's not interested in what you can do for him. But he is infinitely interested in what he can do through you. That means we have to submit before the king. That means we have to bow and begin living like kingdom subjects. And Jesus is the perfect example of righteousness. Therefore, he said, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. Follow after that perfect example. He also said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the perfect example of righteousness. He's the brand of righteousness that is acceptable before God. So if you set proper priorities and you seek personal purity, the Bible also promises that we'll see a promised prosperity. A promised prosperity. The Lord says that if you will seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Now, what things was the Lord referring to? Well, he was talking about all those things that people worry about. Amen? Any worriers in here? Three, four, five, six. All right, get on up. He's talking about all the things that we people worry about. Look in verse 19. For in verse 19, we're told that people worry about finances. In verse 19, he says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's right. So you worried about your finances? Why don't you start working on laying up treasures in heaven instead of worrying about treasures on earth? In verse 25, we're told that people worry about food. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. Worry, they worry about food. 
But also in verse 27, we're told that people worry about fitness. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? You can't do anything to your body by worrying. Verse 28, we're told that people worry about fashion. That's right. They worry about fashion, even back then. Amen? Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Amen? Walmart's just as good as the mall, right? Why? That's, isn't that what Jesus was saying here? Don't worry about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Now, all these things, friend, are things you need. All these things are things that you need. And in verse 32, the Lord Jesus said, Your Father knows that you need all these things. And the Lord promised that if we'll seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you'll have all these things that you need. He said nothing about having all the things that you want. But he did say that you would have all the things that you need. Friend, I am convinced that there are four lessons uh, that, that parents ought to teach young people about God's provision. I believe that it's a lesson that many adults ought to learn about God's provision. Number one, first lesson. You don't need everything you want. Can I get an Amen. Don't you wish you had all the money back that you spent on things that you wanted but you didn't really need? Oh, my heavens. I'd be, I'd be rich, Brother Hal. I'm telling you, man. You don't need everything you want. Number two, you don't want everything you need. I never wanted one whooping I got, but I needed every single one of them. Amen? You don't want everything you need. Number three, God doesn't give us everything we want. And I, for one, am glad he doesn't. As I look back, I realize that one of the greatest blessings of God is found on the, in the things that he didn't give me. Like justice. I'm glad he didn't condemn me to hell. I'm glad that he found a way to redeem me. I read this poem by an unknown Confederate soldier, and it tremendously blessed me, and I pray it will you. Listen to it. He wrote, I asked God for strength that I might achieve, but I was made weak that I would be made humble to obey. I asked God for health that I might do greater things, but I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches so that I might be happy, but I was given poverty so that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men, but I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I was asking for all things so that I might enjoy life, but I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but I got everything that I hoped for. I learned humbly to obey. I did better things. I sought wisdom. I felt the need for God. And I began to enjoy all things. You don't need everything you want. You don't want everything you need. God doesn't give you everything you want. And number four, if you're a child of God today, God does give you everything you need. I read this story about two stores across the street from each other 
highly competitive, always trying to one-up one another. And the manager of the one store came out one day, posted this huge banner across the front of his store that said, if we don't have it, you don't need it. It's pretty good. Well, then the guy across the street uh, also saw that sign, a little bit frustrated, went in. He put a, a banner on his store, and it said, if we don't have it, I got that backwards. The first one was, if you want it, we have it. The second one was, if we don't have it, you don't need it. That's pretty cool. Can I tell you something right now? No matter what you may think, if you don't have it, it's because God in his infinite wisdom knows that you don't need it. If you don't have it right now, it's because God in his infinite wisdom knows that you don't need it right now. I believe in this passage, the Lord was trying to teach us this truth. He was trying to teach us that it's our job to set proper priorities. That it's our job to seek personal purity. And it's our job to serve God. It's his job to supply our needs. I think a lot of people have that backwards. A lot of people think that it's our job to supply our needs... And it's God's job to serve us. But that's not the way it works. Because in a real sense, I believe that Christians have been called to live hand to mouth, so to speak. And I find that to be just fine, as long as it's his hand in my mouth. Amen? So do you want to experience your best life now? How do you begin making the rest of your life the best of your life? First thing you need to do is trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and allow Him to be the Lord of your life. Then put Him first. Set the proper priority. Put Him first and live every moment for Him. And if you'll do that, He promises He'll take care of the rest. So have you taken the first step to living your best life now? Are you ready to? Are you ready to make the rest of your life the best of your life? The Lord has given you the choice. He's given you the chance to make that happen. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your love. And thank you so much that you can teach even a hard head like me how to enjoy my best life now. How to make the rest of my life the best of my life. Father, if I'll just set the proper priorities, focusing on the king and his kingdom and his righteousness. Father, if I would just seek personal purity, to seek after his righteousness, not my own brand of righteousness. Lord, your promise is that you would supply all my need according to your glory in heaven. Father, thank you so much that you have made it simple. It wasn't free, but you've made it simple. All I have to do is place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I know that I too will have a relationship with you through him. And heaven will be my eternal dwelling place. Father, if there's a person here who has never made that decision, let today be their day. Lord, speak to them as only you can. Lord, speak to them in that still soft whisper so that, so that they can know that they have a relationship with you. Father, help us all to live our best life now. Help us to get our priorities straight and to live with personal purity. 
not for our own glory, but for yours, Lord. And, Lord, we're going to give you praise, and we're going to give you thanks. And I pray that this word has fallen on a receptive heart today, because I know that it has on mine. Lord, I love you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we exalt you. And, Lord, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Thank you.